born to die that he might give eternal life that I might live Welcome to Yankee Arnold Ministries. Dr. Arnold will be with you in just a moment, but first, we want you to know how much we appreciate your prayers and financial support. You may help this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Again, that's 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Feel free to send Dr. Arnold your questions or comments to yankee at yankeearnold.com, and he will respond as quickly as possible. Now, here is Dr. Arnold with today's message. That day when I was in Colorado, we are going to start our bus ministry. We got us an old blue goose, 1947 blue bus. It was the ugliest thing you ever laid eyes on. And so I says, we're going to go and start a bus ministry. Of course, I'm pastor. I'm now the bus director and the bus driver. So I went and I worked and I knocked on, oh, I don't know how many doors. These seemed like a thousand doors. And I had promises from a thousand people they were going to come that next morning. I could just see my bus just packed. Anyway, I got in my bus and People at church were there early because they wanted to see when I came in to the parking lot. They wanted to see all these kids coming off the buses. Because I told them, I says, if we go, they will come. I didn't know they were going to make a movie years later about that. But um, I went on the bus route and I got one kid. So I'm driving my bus and I've only got one kid. I was almost embarrassed to pull into the parking lot. Because there stood a couple of the elders and a couple of the deacons and everybody was waiting on the bus. And I finally pulled it in there. I opened the door and that one kid walks off the bus. And uh, I'm going to have more next week. And it began to grow. And it wasn't long before I had to get me a bus driver. Because I had to open the door, run to the house and pull them out of the house. And some of them in pajamas. Some of them you have to go in the house and dress them. And we got it back on the bus. That's not a joke. I mean, I'm serious. My wife has been into many a homes and dressed those kids. Get them out of the bed. Mom and dad, and they're sound asleep. But they said the kids can come. They're coming. <laughs> anyway, uh, we came down over the hill. We had a church. We started in the old Enterprise Grange building. It was the dumps, but it was a building. So I'm coming down the hill, and this time the bus was packed. Packed. But it was an old bus. And the brakes wouldn't hold. And we come down the hill and everybody's there and we get wanted to pull into the parking lot. <laughs> There's a stop sign right there. Whoa! <laughs> right to the thing. We had to go all the way down, turn around and come back. Somebody was coming. We would have killed them. Killed them all. But so we came to the conclusion we'd not get an, a better bus. So they go. And so I had 79 on that one little 24 passenger Blue Goose. They were packed in that bus. You see, you shouldn't do that. You could have had a, a wreck and a fire, and they could have all died. Yeah, and they could have died and gone to hell and burned in a fire. 
But there was a reckless abandonment to faith. Now, I didn't get everybody I went after, but I got a few. And the ones that I did reach, they're glad. And there were some people that tried to discourage me. There's always somebody who wants to discourage you. Is that all you got was one? I thought, how many did you get? And just stay out. Next thing you know, we had 12 buses running. And we averaged about 500 a Sunday from those buses. So did it pay off? I think so. But anyway, in John chapter 3, there's a story about a man who came to Jesus. What was his name? Nicodemus. A ruler of the Jews who came to Jesus by what? Night. So here's a man, religious man, coming to Jesus, and it's nighttime. So did um, Jesus give him the time of day? <laughs> no, he did give him some light, didn't he? And he did see. He did understand. And so he trusted Christ as his Savior. But look in verse 18. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already. So I still believe he's talking to Nicodemus. And it explained not everybody believes, but those that don't believe, they're already condemned. They're not waiting to be condemned. That's why he didn't have to come to condemn the world. The world is already condemned. But through him, a man can be saved, have the free gift of everlasting life. So you reach one man, a religious man, at night. Now, I don't know why I came at night. I could, you know, come up with some reasons. And uh, he didn't seem like he was too... Uh, Overjoyed to let everybody in the Sanhedrin know who he was and what he had done. So, but he did trust the Lord. Now, look in chapter 4. In chapter 4, there's a story about a man or woman. A woman. And this woman, oh, she was a real godly Christian, right? What kind of a woman was this woman? Anybody have a clue? Been married five times? Well, that's not bad. I mean, that's not nothing wrong with that. You know, as long as it's all right and legitimate and all the rest of them died. But, but what was she doing also at the time he talked to her? She was living with somebody else. It wasn't her. <laughs> oh, well. Uh, sure this wasn't the 21st century she, that, that this was written in? <laughs> some things ain't changed, have they? Not much has changed. But he makes a statement up there in um, chapter 4. See there in verse 4? Uh, he must needs go through Samaria. Now, remember one time I preached a sermon. I think it was on a Sunday night. But we talked about how that some people come to you. Some people come to you. And some people, you have to go to them. True? Nicodemus came to him. But here he says, I must go through Samaria. But do you know that one woman was just a link to a bunch of people? But if he reached this woman, look what else. Now, this woman, she, um, she went to draw water. About what time of the day do you think it was? What's that? About lunchtime. Time to eat. And um, it's generally, that's the hottest time of the day, but uh, she probably didn't show up. Early in the mornings or late in the evening when all the other ladies were there. Maybe she got ridiculed. Who knows? You can always surmise, you know, this and that and the other. It makes for a good preaching sermon if you can make it up, you know, embellish it a little bit. But some things the scripture just doesn't tell us. But sometimes you can kind of reason a few things out. 
But what did he tell this woman? He had made a statement to her up there in verse 9. See, he had asked this woman, says, give me some water to drink. And she says, how hast thou been a Jew? Ask a drink of me, which a woman of Samaria. Well, the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Says, what are you doing asking me? And it was really, who was the real thirsty one there? Was it Jesus that was really thirsty? Or it could have been that woman that was really thirsty. The woman was there. She was there to draw water. But he says, you draw the water out of this well and you will thirst again. But if you drink the water that I have, you'll never thirst again. That's eternal security, by the way. It means once you tr- take a drink of this water that he has, you'll never thirst again. It means you'll never get saved again. Eternal security. See, Christ used a lot of simple things when he talked to people. Remember, he talked about something as simple as water. Something as simple as bread. I am the true bread that cometh down from heaven. If you eat this bread, you'll never hunger again. That's eternal security. That once you eat this bread, or if you drink this water, he's talking about the truth that he's saying. If you believe on Jesus Christ, trust him, you have eternal life, and it satisfies. Years ago, they used to have a commercial out, no, Chesterfield. Fine tobacco. Really satisfies. Well, if it really does. Why do you have to go buy some more? It doesn't really satisfy you. You've got to have some more, and then some more, and there's no end to it. I used to sit there and listen to that. Ah, yeah. I guess I am, I have been curious at times, you know, I wonder, I wonder what that would really taste like, you know, cigarette. One man put it this way, he says, it's kind of like waking up in the morning and it, it feels like a bunch of barefooted Russians march through your mouth all night long. <laughs> Another guy, he put it this way, he said, who wants to kiss your girlfriend and smell a camel? Who wants to kiss your girlfriend and smell a camel? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe don't bother. You know. uh, when I was in, let me just mention this to you. <laughs> I, I drift a little bit. You know, not a lot, but just every once in a while. But when I went into boot camp, I um, had to go to firefighting. And in firefighting, it means that they would set these buildings on fire. And they had a long hose. And you had to put out fires. And they had the line of guys on this hole, because you had to hold that thing. That thing was going like this here, and you've you got to muscle that thing around, you know. And so you had to get down real low, and you come in, and you shoot that corner, and you shoot that corner, you know. you got to put out the fire. Well, I'm about four or five back, and, buddy, the flames are hot. And this is in July. And I thought, this is, this is hot. So I, but I loved it. Oh, I loved it. So when he got close, the guy in front of me says, I, I, I can't take that heat. I says, I'll do it. So he went back to the back of the line. So he just, you know. So the next thing you know, I don't got that thing. And I'm putting out the fire. Of course, there's black smoke just whirling out of this thing. Of course, I breathed a little bit of that. And I got the heat of the July sun. And then that heat. And it wasn't long before uh, the next guy, he didn't want to do it. I said, I'll do it again. I nodded it about four or five times. And the rest of them, they just didn't want to do it. I did. I just love the excitement of it. I'm putting out a fire. Now here I am for the rest of my life trying to start fires. You know, trying to 
light this little candle and light this little candle. No, I'm an arsonist. I start. I mean that in a good way. You know, I want to get people on fire for the Lord. It's all. Never know who's listening. But the next morning, I couldn't get out of bed. And uh, everybody had left the bunks, and I'm still laying there on my bunk. <laughs> These MPs come in there and say, Arnold! I never did like the way they say Arnold. You know, that's a, they didn't come and say, Ralph Arnold, can we have your attention, please? Anyway, Arnold! That's enough to make you clear the bunk. It says, get out of that bed. I said, I can't move. You move. Get out of that bunk. But they didn't put up nothing. I said, I, I don't feel good. Everybody doesn't feel it. Nobody feels good. Get out of that bunk. They made me get out of that bunk. And I says, I, I just, I can't. I don't have no strength. And so they stood me up and I'd go to limp. And says, you're going to have to go to sick bay. I didn't even know there was a sick bay. I didn't know what sick bay was. I was sick. <laughs> So they got me over to the sick bay, and there's a line about a mile long. And, you know, when you go into boot camp, and it's boot camp, and there's a line a mile long, and they were in there for everything you could think of. And so they want me to stand there in this long line, in this drill hall, and it's hot in there, no air's not moving, and a long line, and I'm just weaving back and forth. So I looked over there, and I saw the wall. Oh, wall. <laughs> I went over... I went over to the wall and I sat down. And when I sat down, here come those bees again. They looked over and says, Arnold, <laughs> what are you doing over there? I said, I, 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 I got to lay down. They picked me up because they finally got convinced that I was in bad shape. And they took me straight on in front of all those people in the line. And they laid me on this bed, or oh, this gurney, I guess you call it. And I would come in and out. And I just remember them sticking me with needles and I have no clue how many times they did it but um, finally this one guy came over and he says oh my god what are y'all doing to him and I heard him say that and I just wondered I wonder what they're doing to me I didn't know what they were doing to me but they couldn't find a blood vessel they was going to try to give me an IV and um, anyway he took the thing and he did it one time uh, that's what you get when you've got these interns in there that's never done it before, and they're learning on you. Eighteen holes they had in my arm. Eighteen. Well, anyway, because of all that smoke, it got to where I can't hardly breathe around smoke. And I'll go to homes, and I'll visit with people and all that, you know. And they'll smoke, and they don't think it bothers anybody. Because if it doesn't bother them, it shouldn't bother anybody else. But it would almost kill me. And I would almost just, I can't stand it. And so uh, I have a good reason for not liking it and being around it. And it hurt when I used to go and see my mom and my sisters. And they're all. <laughs> and, uh, and, and that's all. And, uh, <laughs> and I got to where I couldn't hardly stand it. But for the gospel's sake, I would endure it a little bit. But if, as soon as I can get away from it, I get away from it. And uh, we even had a kid at camp. He came by me one day. I said, oh, come here. He came back and says, You've been smoking? He said, well, before I came to camp, I said, no, no, you've been, you, just, you just put out a cigarette. Because I, I got a nose now that can smell it. And you can, you can tell it. But there's a lot of times, you know, you don't win everybody. 
And there's some things that you may have to put up with. And you don't like putting up with certain things. But I found out that, lo and behold, you know, all these years later, I can still win some here and some there. And there's all kinds of things that people do. You don't have to make it an issue. Just ask the Lord to give you the strength because he says that with a temptation comes a way of escape. Now, I don't know what you're going to be facing this week or maybe even today. But whatever it is, there's a way out. There's a way to get the strength that you need to keep going through it. Now, do you believe that? Do you believe that? Look at me. Nod your head like this if you understand what I'm saying. So it doesn't matter what happens tomorrow or the next day. You're not going to have to have a justifiable reason for turning on God. Are you? If God is righteous and perfect and makes no mistakes, does nothing wrong. Why would we ever get mad at God? What did he do wrong? That would be like us back there when Christ was going to be crucified. He did no wrong. They found no fault in him. So why did they do that to him? And here we are today, and we're finding fault many times with God. When we get really mad and angry and bitter and so forth like that, sometimes when you stop and think about it, you're not upset with the people. You're upset with God because God let things happen to you that he could have stopped because he's supposed to be in charge. Isn't he on the throne? Isn't he the ruler? Isn't he Lord? Then why did he let that happen to me? So people get bitter and hateful, and they turn against God. Even God's children do that. So anyway, you know that. Look in Acts chapter 2. Look in Acts chapter 2. Acts and chapter 2. Look at verse 41. Not everybody responds the same way. But even on that day, there were about 3,000 that trusted the Lord. See there in verse 41. Then they that gladly received his word, then they that gladly received his word were baptized the same day. There were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And up there in verse 40, and with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourself from this untoward generation. He made uh, these statements to them, and their hearts were pricked. And they said, Then, brethren, what must we do? What, What do we have to do? And he told them what to do. And so he makes a statement here in verse 42. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and prayers. So maybe not everybody trusted the Lord. And then maybe not everybody fellowship, but it would be good if everybody did. I've thought many times, I wonder what we could do if every one of God's children would be faithful and going to church and giving like they should, praying like they should, working together like they should, what we could do. How many of y'all got the newsletter I just sent out with some of the pictures? Anybody? All right, a bunch of them. Most of you in here. Now, you didn't get one because I don't have your email address. Do you realize that would not have happened automatically? If we hadn't have done it, it wouldn't have got done. If these people here in Georgia hadn't have gone soul winning, they wouldn't have automatically been saved anyway. Or when the kids went here the other night, doesn't mean they automatically would have been saved anyway. See, I don't believe that. I don't believe in that fatalistic teaching. I believe we make a difference. We make a difference. And so, therefore, whatever we do, we should believe that what we're doing is having compassion 
pulling irons out of the fire, making a difference. So here in uh, the book of Acts in chapter 2, in verse 43, fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done by the apostle. And all that believed were together. And all, Now at the beginning, look at all of this, what they did. But you'll also notice down there in verse 47, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as were being saved. So here you have a wonderful, wonderful thing. Wouldn't it have been great if everything could continue as it started? Here you are, you've started to serve the Lord. How you doing? Are you as close to the Lord now as you were last year? Are you seeking to do more for the Lord now than you did before? Are you growing in the Lord? Getting stronger? Your vision greater? Or are you trying to feel like, well, I done, I done paid my dues. I done paid my dues. I'm glad Al don't feel that way. He done paid his dues. He don't have to do anything anymore. 85 years old? Or 86? Pretty soon it'll be 86. Man, that's, that's a long way down the road for me, ain't it? I don't know. How old are you? Oh, never mind. Some of y'all have really put in a lot of years. But I think it's, it's wonderful when you realize I can give God my life and serve him with everything that I have. Look in Acts chapter 4, since you're right here in chapter 4. Look there in verse 12. The boldness that Peter had to stand up to these people when it wasn't long before this that he was ashamed and denied the Lord three times. Denied the Lord. Now is he denying the Lord? Not by the hair of my chinny chin chin. In verse 12, neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. There is nobody else. And he's talking to the head honchos there and letting them know, hey, there's only one way. And you either go through Christ or you don't get to go. In verse 13, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled. Some people will really be impressed with your confidence and your boldness. But not everybody. Not everybody's going to be impressed with what you do. And regardless of the sacrifices you make, there's a lot of people, they're not going to be impressed. And with uh, whatever you decide to do and you gave up and so forth, for the sake of the gospel, some people will think that was the dumbest thing in the world. I used to have people say, you're going to throw your life away? You're going to throw your life away? You're going to go to Bible college. Would you going to be a Bible? Because, you know, when you try to get kids to go to Bible college, you're just getting them to throw their life away. And really, it's just the opposite, isn't it? It's just the opposite. And yet some people never get it and they never understand. So um, God will give you the strength and the grace that you can bear all of these things. So some people are knocked down. Paul was knocked down. Some people are almost persuaded, but not everybody's persuaded. So some people say, well, I'll hear more about this at a more convenient time. And sometime it may never show up. So anyway, keep it in mind. First Corinthians chapter 10. Read it and read it and read it. Because it'll give you a lot of good insights in that one chapter.
And whenever you read about all the testings and temptations that comes your way and why some people did not stand, they could have. It wasn't predetermined by God for them to fail. God wants all of us to trust him. That's why he says, God is faithful. And the reason some people fail is because they stop believing that God is faithful. Is God faithful? Look up here. This hand represents you and me. The wallet represents sin. We all have sin on us. God says that he loves us. He hates our sin. And for us to pay for sin is eternal separation from God in hell. But God loves us. He wants us to go to heaven. To go to heaven, we have to be perfect, and none of us are perfect. We've all sinned. We've all come short of God's perfection. And God says, you cannot earn eternal life. You cannot work your way to heaven. He says, there's only one way to get to heaven. And most people have heard this. They just don't understand it. Jesus Christ had no sin. He was God in the flesh. He came into this world, lived a perfect life, and voluntarily took our sins and paid for their own cross. He came back from the dead, and God says, all you have to do to go to heaven, will you believe that when Jesus died, he died for you, paid for your sins so that you wouldn't have to pay for them. And the only thing that makes this whole thing work is if you will believe he did it for you. You're saved by grace through faith. It doesn't cost you anything. It's free. But you have to believe he did it for you. That's faith. Taking God at his word. And if you'll believe that, he will give you as a free gift everlasting life. And you get to go to heaven on what Christ did for you. And understand this. You think about the difficulties when Christ was here. And yet he finished the race that was set before him. Endured the cross. When you partake of the bread, you realize what he was willing to go through for us. And how he suffered for us. And how that he bore our sins in his own body on the cross. And when he shed his blood, he gave his life. He did this. And he says, I suffered for you. And here we are, beneficiaries of this. And God says, now I want you to suffer for them. Take the message to them. And God says, I will reward you regardless of how difficult it may be. And you may even die for your faith because of what you're doing for the Lord. It will be worth it all because there's a God in heaven that keeps the books. Let's pray, shall we? With every head bowed and every eye closed and no one looking around, if you have never trusted Christ as your Savior, would you right now say, I don't understand it all, but I believe that when Christ died, I believe he died for me. And right now I will put my, my trust in him. And if you're making that decision, I'd like to pray for you. But I'm not going to have you forward, not going to embarrass you. But right where you're sitting, say, Preacher, I will accept Christ as my Savior right now, and I'd like for you to know it. And I'd like for you to pray for me in closing. So with his bow and eyes closed, is there anyone at all? Say, yes, pray for me. I will trust Christ right now as my Savior. Would you just slip your hand up very quickly? Yes, God bless you. Anyone else? God bless you, man. You can put it down. Anyone else? There's no tricks to it. Just say, that made sense to me, and I want to trust Christ right now as my only hope of going to heaven. Anyone at all? Our Father, we thank you so much for your blessings. Thank you for giving us the free gift of everlasting life. We pray, Lord, your will to be done in the lives of each person here. And we pray, Lord, your blessings upon the individual who indicated that they would trust you as Savior. By doing so, they become your child for all eternity. And Lord, we ask your blessings upon each person that 
we want them to realize the importance that whenever the difficulty seems like it's just too much, consider him. Consider Christ and what he was willing to go through as he suffered for us. We're not paying for people's sins. Christ did that. But Father, help us to be willing to get that message to them so that they can have that free gift of everlasting life. So bless today in Christ's name. Amen. Have you ever heard that faith without works is dead? Or have you ever read James chapter 2? Does your faith produce good works? Some teach that if you don't serve the Lord, you're not saved. Is that true or false? Pastor Yankee Arnold has prepared just the right book with answers straight from the Bible. The book is called Gospel Driven Man, and Pastor Yankee wants to send it to you free of charge. Simply write to Pastor Yankee at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634, and request the book. Or request by email at yankee at yankeearnold.com. That's yankee at yankeearnold.com. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you and your family. You may help support this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Friend, one day it will happen. The trumpet will sound, and we will be changed, caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So live today and every day, believing that the Lord is coming soon, and just keep looking up. Amazing grace amazes me.